1: Lee Cantor here, another episode of Coach the Coach Radio, and this is going to be a good one. Today we have with us Diane Helbig with Helbig Enterprises. Welcome, Diane. Thanks so much. Well, I'm excited to learn what you're up to. Tell us a a little bit about your practice. How are you serving folks?
0: Well, I am doing really two things. Half the time I am working with small business owners, helping them strategize and problem solve. And the other half of the time I am training people in all levels of business around things like leadership, sales, customer service, those sorts of things.
1: So how'd you get into this line of work?
0: Oh my gosh. So in 2005, uh, my father passed away very suddenly, and it was just one of those life-changing moments. I really wanted to do something that was more impactful. And through conversations and research, I landed on business coaching. And so I took a course and uh, got educated and then changed my relationship with the company I was working for and launched my practice in 2006.
1: Now, was that a big transition to go from working for someone to being in business for yourself? Yeah,
0: (laughs) it was. It didn't, you know, I wasn't really concerned about it. It was a strange sort of uh, calm and confidence that I had. My husband was a little nervous about it.
1: But for you, the transition was, okay, well, my boss was my client before. So now I just kind of reframe this. So now I'm going to just get more clients.
0: Yeah, exactly. And you know, I had really decided that I wanted to be the victim of my own decisions instead of the victim of someone else's. So uh, it was probably a good thing that I went into business for myself.
1: So now when you make that leap uh, from working in kind of a corporate or enterprise or business at any level where you're the employee and then now you're kind of everything. When you're making that shift, did anything change from kind of a sales and marketing? Did you see yourself differently when you were going out to the market as I am now the you know solution to your challenge as opposed to a cog in a machine that's going to help you solve your problem?
0: Boy, most definitely. Um, the methods that I used almost Uh, completely changed. So what I realized with providing this service is that the best way for me to market was to be doing public speaking and writing and doing workshops and things like that. And I, those were things I had never done when I was working for someone else selling a product.
1: So now has that stayed the same? Is that still your belief that thought leadership is the path to success in the coaching practice?
0: Yeah, you know what it really is. It's it, there's a lot of different ways of being able to make that happen, uh, but when I look over my you know fifteen or so years of doing this, um, it it really when people can hear you or read you right and and really get a feel for what you know and how you communicate, they get to decide if you're the right person for them to be working with. Because you know, coaching and advising is it's all about synergy.
1: Do you find that most people in selling specifically um focus maybe on the wrong things rather than finding that proper fit?
0: All the time. <laughs> I do. I do. Sales is one of my favorite subjects actually because I think salespeople and and small business owners Somehow along the line, we taught that um, they were supposed to just convince the other person that their product or service was the, you know, the all end all and they had to have it and it was just going to be the best thing for them. And that's really not what sales in any industry should be about. It really should be about discovery and connection and problem solving and those kinds of things.
1: And then you felt so strongly about this. You wrote a book, Succeed Without Selling. Um, Let's talk a little bit about how that came up. Was it that you were just being asked that, or you were seeing these kind of same problems happening over and over? And you're like, you know what, I better write a book about this to help kind of educate people on there's a better way. You don't have to be fighting so hard for sales.
0: Yeah, definitely. It was absolutely that I kept seeing people doing the same so you know, engaging in the same sorts of behaviors over and over again, and not getting the results that they were looking for, and I thought, okay, that's it. I'm writing a book. I'm putting it all in the book. I'll, I'll use sample forms and scripts, and and I'm just this is just going to be everything that I believe I know about what works in selling, and get it all in one place so that people can learn at their own pace um, what to do really, you know, h- how to actually engage in the marketplace.
1: Now, let's kind of bust some myths here when it comes to selling, because I have some some opinions as well about selling. And I see a lot of people doing this in a way that's it seems very um, counterintuitive to me, but maybe my way is more counterintuitive to them. But um, I find a lot of folks when they go out and they're selling, number one a person, especially a young person put in a when their job is selling they feel kind of icky about it. Like they don't, they don't think selling is a noble pursuit. And um, that kind of bothers me because I think if you really believe in what you're doing, it's almost a moral obligation to share it. <laughs> so yeah. I, I feel very strongly about that from just philosophically. But some people think, oh, I'm going to convince someone to buy something they don't want. And I'm like kind of icky about that. And I think that's totally misguided. Do you find that as well?
0: I do. I do completely. I, and I so agree with if if you are selling something you believe in, if you are providing a valuable product or service, and you know that it solves a problem, you should never feel icky, sleazy, uncomfortable. But see, I think the reason why people feel that way is because the the ways that they're going about it are uncomfortable, you know? I can believe hundred percent in what I'm selling, but if I have to approach people with this eye toward convincing them of that, then yeah, that's, that's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to feel intrusive. It's going to feel arrogant. It's going to feel pushy. It's just going to feel like all of these things that I don't want to show up that way. I I don't want to be that person. But if I know I have something really valuable and my job is is to really find out who's out there, who I can help, then I'm really approaching more on a discovery mission and just wanting to find out what's going on with, with the people in my target market. Are they having this problem, this situation, what's it doing to them? What would help them? You know, what would success look like all of these different things so that then if my If I then believe that I can help them, then I can tell them and it just makes sense. I'm not trying to convince them of anything.
1: Right, and to me, um, I I have a kid that's in his early 20s and I'm always talking about framing and reframing. And a a lot of life, and to me and sales specifically, is about doing that activity of framing and reframing. When you reframe something um, from I'm pitching you this to I'm recommending you do this, it's a different mindset it's a totally yes. different way of serving someone. Mm-hmm. Um, and and in order to really recommend something, you have to know things about them and know what <laughs> their problem is. So that means you have to ask questions. You can't just spew the features yes. that your product or service has. And I, yes. I, I think that's missing in a lot of sales folks. I do too.
0: I do too. Yeah. They, they were taught, you know, always be closing, you know, years ago. And, and, many years ago. And that didn't work either. Everyone is not a potential client or a potential customer. So, you know, in my viewpoint, when you have this mindset that you always have to be closing, then you're seeing everybody is a potential customer and you're missing out on other relationships that can be really valuable, like referral relationships, be really valuable for you and your business because you're so laser focused on one outcome and no one likes it, right? No one likes to be treated that way.
1: Right, it's like they're trying to fit a one size fits all yeah. into uh, into the universe around them. Even though that's not how they behave in real life, it's not like they go to every restaurant because the restaurant has a sign out in front of it. You know, right?
0: And they don't like it when people do it to them. <laughs>
1: right. That's <laughs> so. Um, now, does this kind of trickle down into networking as well? Like, selling is one aspect of the job, but networking and, and relationship you mentioned is another aspect. Is it, or, if people have this one kind of lens of the world, then are they going to screw that up too when they, when it comes to networking?
0: Oh, definitely. (laughs) Absolutely. Because they're going to go to the networking event looking for sales, right? Looking for a new customer. And so they're going to be, um, (laughs) no one's going to want to talk to them or be around them. They're going to talk more than they're going to listen. They're not going to be relationship building. And they, and once again, this is another place where they're going to miss out on, Two things. One, really good relationships with people who may end up being a customer down the road, but may not, but they're still really good business relationships. But they also miss the signals of the people who they really don't want to do business with. And a lot of salespeople forget that. There's the other side of the equation. There's people who you just do not want to sell to because they're difficult, because they're unpleasant, because They don't value what you do. You know, there's like all these reasons. But when we go in with that one mindset, we miss all those cues.
1: Right. And that's and that's another uh, counterintuitive, you know, portion of the sales process. You should be vetting your prospect (laughs) as hard as they're vetting you. (laughs) Exactly. That's right. And um, so now let's g- give some advice for that, maybe the new salesperson. How would you recommend they approach their job on day one?
0: So I think they should get a really clear understanding of what their ideal client looks like. So it's, it doesn't mean that they're only going to sell to their ideal client, but it'll keep them away from those really bad clients. Um, and when they have that picture of what ideal means to them, then they need to do research. They need to, you know, build that target market, uh, you know that that pool of companies or people who are in that market, and do enough research about them so that when they do reach out, however they do it, they have something to talk to them about that that they're not. Um, you know, doing the whole sales thing that they can actually engage in a conversation with them.
1: And then what do you find are those kind of low-hanging fruit, uh, maybe uh, elegant first conversations for uh, sales folks?
0: Oh, sure. Uh, You know, I think, um, especially a new salesperson can say, I'm uh, new to the company or I'm new to the industry and I'm reaching out to folks who typically we work well with uh, to learn more about their business or their situation. It depends on whether you sell B2B or B2C um, just so I can learn more about what the needs are, what the circumstances are. Do I have connections that might be useful for them? Cause that's the other reason why you network is to build that toolbox of resources that you can share with people and just ask them, you know, would you be open to a you know 15-minute conversation so I can learn more about your business? That's honest. It's easy. Most people will say, sure. Some people are going to say no, and that's okay. But then you're able to then have that conversation and then just ask questions that really help you learn about them. Right and and their world and their situation and how are things going right now is an especially good time for this kind of thing because of COVID, it gives people an opportunity just to reach out to anybody and say you know I'm just checking in see how you're doing how has this impacted you and your business and are there challenges that you're facing uh, has it been good for your business you know whatever those things are but really want to learn.
1: Yeah, I find that uh, especially young people can play the I'm new and I'm learning, (laughs) but it requires some humility and vulnerability that a lot of times they don't want to play that card because they think they have to know all the answers and they're going to go strong with, I know what I'm doing, even though obviously I don't know because I just started here a week ago. So how much (laughs) could I know? Um, And so I think it's much more uh, fruitful to play the I don't know. I'm new. I got to make these calls you're smart. You've been doing this a while. You know, what should I be doing? You know, like yeah. if you come from, again, it's that reframing a salesperson doesn't have to know everything. They just have to know where the answers are.
0: Right. Exactly. And I think we have to remember that because of the internet, most of our prospects know an awful lot about our industries because it's so competitive out there. It's not like back, you know, in the eighties when, there was no internet and the salesperson really was the person who had all the information. Things are different now. So, and, and the truth is honestly, I don't care how old you are or how long you've been in business. The truth is that when you're talking to someone, you don't know what their situation is. You, you have an idea that they might have a need, but you have no idea until you have that conversation with them. So this presuming that, you know, and, thinking, you know, that, you know, everything it's just, it's, it's, um, off-putting.
1: Right. It, it's, it goes back to that ickiness factor where you're yeah. thinking you're the smartest person in the room and how could you be the smartest person? You don't, like you said, you don't know, you're not walking in their shoes. Right. You've just kind of profiled them from, you know, based <laughs> on certain characteristics. Yeah. I mean, you don't exactly. know what's really going on. You don't know what just happened last week that they yeah. could be upside down in areas. You have no idea.
0: Yeah. That's exactly right.
1: Now, um, talk about uh, is, this, is there different strategies when you, you mentioned this earlier about consumer versus b- business to business? Like, yeah. business is B2C a different strategy, or are these kind of foundational kind of philosophies that are the same regardless of whether you're selling B2C or B2B?
0: Well, I think the mindset is the same that you want to um, really seek to learn instead of tell, I do think there's a difference between uh, B2B and B2C in that it's really hard to cold call a consumer. They, you know, what are you going to do, call them on the phone? Well, they're not going to answer it. They don't like it. They're screening. They've got that red button that, you know, will block you, whatever. You always call it dinner time. You know, walking up and down the street, going to houses doesn't really work. So I do think that salespeople, this is where thought leadership comes in as well, that they're probably better off teaching something that is relevant to what they sell and giving people the opportunity to learn and express interest in learning more. So, uh, you know, that, that's, I and I find it that it's not as icky, you know, it's more comfortable. People don't really have a problem holding a seminar or a webinar or something and offering information and then having a follow up to it with you know if you'd like to schedule a, a consult, if you'd like more information, check the box, we'll get in touch with you. Then it's permission based.
1: Now is so. it, it when a person is going to take on that um, tactic in order to to kind of go out there, to the market in a more, uh, educational manner rather than a sales manner and just trying to serve the community via that kind of, uh, educating them about a topic. Mm -hmm. Is it something that it's like a build it and they will come kind of thing where you got to go out there and go, okay, I'm going to do a webinar. You know, I got four people on my email list and I'm going to go to all four of them and say, Hey, I'm doing a webinar next Tuesday at noon. You know, hope you can yeah. make it like, right. or should you invest in ads to try to draw people to it? Like, how should you go about kind of getting that momentum so you can get some escape velocity?
0: So um, I, you probably are going to have to do some ads. I also think though, that one of the best ways of doing this is to go. So so you think about someone, you know, who is offering A service or a product to the same audience that you are. So, for example, you're selling to consumers, um, they probably have an insurance agent. So, you go to the insurance agents you know and you offer to do a seminar for their clients. So, it's something that the insurance person gets to give their clients for free that isn't about insurance, but is about a topic that Is valuable to their clients, so everybody wins in this one. Everybody looks good; it's great. And then you you're being given the opportunity to get in front of another audience and build your audience that way.
1: Now, when you're doing that, that goes back to being clear on your ideal client, right? Because being clear on your ideal client is not only helping you discern who my ideal client is, but you're also learning about the ecosystem that your ideal client's in, right? Yeah. And that way you can identify some of these partners that you can work with that are complementary and they're not competitive and they would be open to these kind of ideas.
0: Exactly, right. It has to make sense. You can't just say, oh, well, my best friend is, you know, a Mary Kay lady. And so I'll ask her, well, if that doesn't make sense, it's not going to work.
1: So now when you're working with folks, are, um, you have a, a variety of ways they can engage with you, right? It's not just, yes. you don't have a one size fits all kind of organization.
0: I don't. So my belief is that there are things that you have to do in business, uh, but how you do them has an awful lot to do with who you are and how you motor and, and what you're comfortable with and what you're not. So uh, everything I do is customer centric you know, client centric, I really learn about my client, what's going on with them, what their challenges are, their situation is, and then together, we create that strategy for just, you know, moving them forward, getting them to whatever those goals are, and I'm with them to help them navigate that so they don't fall off the rails.
1: And then I like also that you have a variety of ways that that follow up can happen. Like it doesn't have to be okay. I'm going to have one on one coaching for the rest of my life. I can have an accountability partner if I choose. You know, right? It doesn't require yes. kind of okay. It's hands on all the time. It just might be a little check in that's saying, hey, did you do did you make the forty calls or did you you know send out the thirty emails? Like you're still kind of. Managing from a maybe a a bird's eye view, but you're still kind of being there to say, "Hey, get it done."
0: Yeah, because you know people's needs change, right? As as they, they, a lot of people might come to me with one situation, and then as we're going through it, we either resolve it, and then they just need that accountability, or something new comes up, and they want to work on that. Sometimes people. I work with them, they go totally away and then they come back later with something else. It's, I really believe that I have to meet people where they are and whatever's going on with them and offer them opportunities to have that advising, coaching, training, you know, whatever it is in a way that makes sense for them at the time. And it changes over time with, I think most of the clients I've had, it's, it's morphed.
1: And then, and they can engage, like if they need more community, you have access to a community that you work with, right? Of business owners that can kind of help each other and communicate with each other. They can get yes. the accountability. They can get the one-on-one coaching. Like you said, wherever they need help, there is a place for them in the community. Right?
0: Exactly. That's right. Yeah. And now, creating new ones all the time.
1: Now, is that something that when you're working with clients that you help them do the same thing for them in the niche that they serve to build these kind of multiple um, community building uh, opportunities for a person to engage for themselves? Is that appropriate for most other kind of professional service businesses as well? Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and when I work with other um, coaches or... Uh, you know, people in the professional services, those are always things we look at. What are the different ways that they can be engaging with their audience? Um, and, and once again, in a way that they're going to do it in a way that, that is comfortable for them, because there's a lot of options. There are a ton of opportunities. You just have to make sure that you're doing the ones that make sense for you. Cause then you'll show up really, you know, present and effective.
1: So you mentioned the importance of ideal client. Uh, knowing yourself is also an important component to this, too, right?
0: <laughs> yes, definitely.
1: So now, if somebody wants to uh, engage with you, there's lots of ways. You have a bunch of books. You're uh, you're a podcast host, so they can plug in that way. You're available yes. for speaking. Uh, what are some of the other things that they can do to kind of jump into your community?
0: Sure, so they can connect with me on LinkedIn. They can uh, go to my website at Heigenterprises.com and they can sign up for a complimentary 30 minute phone consult. There's no obligation attached to it. You know we just talk and work on whatever they've got going on. if we can resolve it in 30 minutes, we do. If not, we can talk about you know what it might look like moving forward. Um, so that's a way at least once a month, I do a sales guidance group. Uh, on Zoom where I, I do Q&A. I answer people's questions about whatever they're dealing with with their sales efforts. So there's that as well.
1: And the website is Helbig Enterprises, H-E-L-B-I-G com. Before we wrap, Diane, can you share maybe the uh, success story that you don't have to name names, but somebody that uh, kind of maybe was struggling or plateaued and you were able to kind of inject your wisdom into what they had going on and you helped take their uh, business to a new level?
0: Oh, sure. Absolutely. So um, I had a client that was in the catering and banquet industry, and um, they really wanted to build their catering side of their business. They'd always been in the banquet side. They really wanted to build up their catering side. And so we just sort of took it apart and looked at what were they doing that was working, what were the opportunities and created a process for, you know, them to go through consistently. And they ended up building their catering business. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure they tripled it in that first year that we worked together. And I worked myself out of a job basically, because once they had the system down, they could just continue to work it, but it was helping them identify ideal client, creating those target lists. How are they going to reach out to them and get in front of them? How are they going to follow up? You know, what was that whole system going to be? And, and it worked, it's got structure to it. So the the more they worked it, the better it got.
1: And that's another great piece of advice. The more systems you can build in processes that are replicatable without you having to kind of recreate a wheel at every turn, will save you a lot of time, energy, and resources. So if you have somebody that can help you figure that out, you're probably 80% there.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, process is everything, especially in a small business.
1: Well, Diane, thank you so much for sharing your story today. You're doing such important work and we appreciate you.
0: Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity to share.
1: All right, this is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on Coach the Coach Radio.